Manna or Meatloaf, episode 84. I am. I really am. Hello, hello. Okay, who wants to talk about my hair? <laughs> Let's talk about my hair. If you know, you know. <laughs> but for those of you who may not know, let's just say that to call it crazy hair might be a huge understatement. I have really thin, fine hair, sort of like a newborn baby's chicken fuzz. And if you were to see me, you may not believe me, but trust me, I've learned the skill of using a lot of product to whip it into submission over these years, but it literally has a life of its own. I'm not kidding you. Years ago on our Stakes Pioneer Trek, I had challengers daily trying to dethrone my title of best worst hair. All to no avail, the votes were taken and no one, I do mean no one, could remove my crown. My hair can be sculpted into a modernistic rendition that would leave artists in awe. It can dance. No, really. <laughs> it really can dance. It's a great conversation piece, trust me. And if you don't believe me, Catch me first thing in the morning following a hot tub or a Lake Powell night. Best of all, this is a true story. I literally once had a wild bird land in it thinking it was a nest. People, it's no lie. We were at Flaming Gorge with our friends, the roadies, and we somehow got a picture of it. It's a true story, I pinky swear. So now that you have the backstory... You'll get it when I tell you the story that took place one morning when our adorable five-year-old granddaughter, Ruby, informed me with dismay that my hair was crazy again. <laughs> Just the night before, she stood resolutely on my vanity chair in the bathroom and asked me why my hair was always so crazy. I tried to explain, but I ended up just telling her that she could help me by brushing it out, and she did. She took painstaking efforts to make it look absolutely lovely, but then nighttime and bedtime overtook us, and the crazy hair fairy found me, yet again. The next morning when she saw that all of her styling efforts had gone out the window, she just shook her head and said with sheer resignation, Nana, your hair is so messy again. You just can't keep it under control, can you? <laughs> This made me laugh so hard, but it also made me think about this conversation later when I also felt like my attitude, my emotions, my eating, and my house were messy yet again, and I just couldn't keep it all under control. I totally buy into this 50-50 rule that my life coach Jody Moore teaches. She says that half the time we'll be awesome and have it all together, and the other half of the time will be a big old mess. And that's just part of being a human. See why I like that theory? Makes me feel an awfully lot better about myself. The Dalai Lama was known for saying, quote, we are human beings, not human doings, end quote. And I love that thought, that we should care more about the people we're being and becoming than the endless things we're trying to do. I realize that sometimes those two go hand in hand, but on days when I'm so busy I can't come up for air and I'm still not doing nearly enough, I feel like a whimpering child during my nighttime prayers saying, sorry, I didn't do better again, 
but I am trying. I am. I really am. And I am willing to try again tomorrow. It will probably be another not-so-perfect attempt, but I am trying. Am I the only one that feels that way? I think we're all trying. We're all just doing the best we can, right? Didn't you love the talk by Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, Be Ye Therefore Perfect, eventually? I'd like to read a small portion of that here. Quote, My brothers and sisters, except for Jesus, there have been no flawless performances on this earthly journey we are pursuing. So while in mortality, let's strive for steady improvement without obsessing over what behavioral scientists call toxic perfectionism. We should avoid that latter excessive expectation of ourselves and of others, and, I might add, of those who are called to serve in the church, which for Latter-day Saints means everyone, for we are all called to serve somewhere. In that regard, Leo Tolstoy once wrote of a priest who was criticized by one of his congregants for not living as resolutely as he should, the critic concluding that the principles the erring preacher taught must therefore also be erroneous. In response to that criticism, the priest says, Look at my life now and compare it to my former life. You will see that I am trying to live out the truth that I proclaim. Unable to live up to the high ideals he taught, the priest admits he has failed. But he cries, Attack me if you wish. I do this myself, but don't attack the path I follow. If I know the way home, but am walking along it drunkenly, is it any less the right way simply because I am staggering from side to side? Do not gleefully shout, Look at him! There he is crawling into a blog. No, do not gloat, but give your help to anyone trying to walk the road back to God. He continues, Brothers and sisters, every one of us aspires to a more Christ-like life than we often succeed in living. If we admit that honestly and are trying to improve, we are not hypocrites, we are human. End quote. Another word for trying is striving. But Webster's Dictionary shed some light recently on the difference when I read that to try is to make an attempt to do something, while to strive is to make great efforts, struggle, or fight vigorously for something. It makes me want to change my verbiage altogether from I am trying to I am striving. Don't you love how our temple interview questions have changed to include the word strive? That's right, two of them actually. Do you strive to be honest in all that you do? It used to say, are you honest in your dealings with your fellow men? I love the difference because I think that significant yet subtle change confirms what we've been told, that the Lord loves effort. And we get points for trying. Don't you love that? Melanie W. Brown is a presenter for Time Out for Women this year, and she introduced this take on a word that I absolutely loved. She said that the word striving is a mixture of struggling, trying, and surviving. Don't you love that? And to piggyback that concept, I found in DNC 46.9, we actually read there in reference to obedience, a phrase that explains where I find myself sitting a lot of the time. It says, For verily I say unto you, they are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep my commandments, and to him that seeketh so to do. <gasps> there it is! Blessings for those who keep the commandments and those that seeketh so to do. When I liken the scriptures unto myself, I know without a doubt that I am one that seeks so to do. I may not always get it right, but I am trying. I am striving. 
one of my favorite podcasts, Sunday on Monday, episode 36, called The Fear of the Lord. We were studying again with Tammy Uzalak Hall and her guests, and we were discussing Ecclesiastes and how difficult it becomes when we believe we need to be perfect covenant keepers. Tammy said, quote, When you ask yourself the questions, are you mourning with those who mourn? Are you comforting those who stand in need of comfort? Can I answer, I am? Or does it sound more like, mm, I think I am, or I hope I am, end quote. We all recognize the name of I am as one of the names of Christ. Clear back in the beginning of the Old Testament, when God was talking to Moses, and Moses asks, Whom shall I tell the people has sent me? And God responded in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I want to read that. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. I also learned that the name Jehovah, who Jesus Christ himself declared he was, the God of the New Testament, literally means, I am. One last thought that I learned from the same podcast was that in Hebrew, the name I am is, I will become who I will become. Isn't that profound? Because basically, when we say something like, I am trying, or I am striving, by using one of Christ's name, I am, we are almost committing ourselves to becoming who the Lord would have us be by trying, by striving. Isn't that incredible? I love that little gem. So knowing that, do you think there is a more reverent and intentional way we could use this powerful name or title of God in our own lives? I don't think anyone would disagree. There is power in the words we choose. If you don't believe me, revisit episode 16 of this podcast titled Word. We're also reminded in James 3 verses 2 through 10 that the words that proceedeth out of our mouths will either provide blessings or cursings. Another example, Job exclaimed, How forcible are right words. That's found in Job 6.25. And last but not least in Proverbs, we read, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. I love that one, Proverbs 25.11. The Savior underscored the care we should take in choosing our words when he warned, I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment, Matthew 12, 36. As the Savior explained, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, Matthew 15 through 18. Now you may be saying to yourself, why on earth are you pointing out why words are so important when we're talking about I am? Well, let me ask you this question. When was the last time you said to yourself or someone else, I am so weak, I am so tired, I am so unhealthy? I'm just so unhappy, undeserving, unworthy, or even worse, I am so fat, so ugly, so awful. Oh, I don't like even saying that list at all. But the point is the words we speak to ourselves are sometimes the words we believe the very most because our psyches recognize our own voice, whether spoken or in thought. Again, if you don't believe me, listen to my episode following word called, Hey You, It's Me. There are some scientific research studies on what I just said that are really truly worth digging into. It will make a difference, I promise. How much different 
does it feel when we say, I am strong, I am capable, I am healthy, I am happy, I am terrific, I am deserving, I am worthy, beautiful, fabulous, magnificent, I am a child of God. Ah, when I think of the Savior referring to himself with this term, I am, I hear all of the good I ams. He is capable. He is a promise keeper. He is my Savior, and He is the way. This week, I am going to try really hard to make a concentrated effort to use the positive affirmations created by I am phrases that help me better follow my Savior's example and positively reinforce who I believe God wants me to become. Will you join me? Guess what? My hair is still a mess, and at least half the time, so am I. So, little Miss Ruby, I hope you're not too disappointed to know that sometimes it seems your Nana really can't keep it all under control. But someone I know and love and trust said, I am the bread of life, so I will never go hungry as long as I turn to him. He said, I am the light of the world, so I will never walk alone in the dark. Again, he said, I am the vine, so that when I abideth in him, I can bring forth fruit. I am the good shepherd. He knows me. He takes care of me and leads me to green pastures. This has been such an enlightening and encouraging episode for me to put together this week. And I thank you for joining me. I hope it somehow helped and encouraged you too. So until next time, have a wonderful week. And me and my crazy hair are signing off. (laughs) Ta-ta!